0: welcome conspiracy dimensions everyone joining me this week oh as always is bevo and ralph my partners in crime here wanted to start out and tell you a couple of weird things that happen in the world of conspiracies that we've been looking at headlines that we might cover in a future date one of them is that the u.s military lost an f-35 fighter jet over south carolina at some point in time and that just seems to be unrealistic in itself and the story behind it seems very shady. So we wanted to bring everyone up to speed on that. Also, Ralph was informing us that Russell Brand has had some issues in the press recently where they are telling him that he is now getting hit with the Me Too uh, movement. So we have to see how that unfolds in the future. We'll be keeping an eye on that. As far as today goes, this episode is one of Ralph picks, and I think it's an excellent one. We're going to be doing dark markets, which are the websites on the dark net and the dark web that you can buy different illegal products from. And we're going to be focusing on Silk Road and a gentleman by the name of Ross Albrecht. And if anybody has kept up with that story, you'll see that this gentleman opened up an online marketplace that started selling a lot of mainly narcotics. And then from there, he started having issues with legal issues in different places. And it eventually ended up in his arrest. We're going to cover that later and talk about a little bit about that. But let's talk about how this got started. So. Ralph, you want to bring us in on a little bit of Ross's background there, and just how he started out.
1: Yeah, well, um, how it started out, uh, uh, Ross uh, uh, is a um, is, is a very free thinking uh, guy. He uh, does not like. Uh, um, so much governance by by the state and and so on. And his idea was: what if there would be a real free market, like a market where uh, there's no force, like you've got on the on the on the street. If you buy drugs on the street, you've got the problem with the dealers and so on. So he thought like it would be cool to have a market where. Uh, Everything is traded, and and the truly free market, so to say.
2: I guess you could say he was a libertarian there, Ralph, and and he seemed to stick by that ethos um, right to the bitter end. I think. Would you agree with that?
1: Yes, he uh, uh, he even uh, refused his uh, plea uh, deal uh, because he wanted to have his time in on in the court to express his uh, ideas behind uh, the Silk Road.
0: And you know, Ralph, that was a good word that you used was he opened up what I personally consider the only free market that we've ever had. Because if you look at every market across the world, no matter where it comes from, those are permissioned markets by some type of government entity, or even if you want to get into illicit goods, you're still talking about, you know, a dealer running their own private entrepreneurship. That is permissioned. It's still not a free market. And what Ross did was actually put up the world's first free market where anything could be purchased
2: yeah and it's um hindsight's 2020 for the poor bloke too he was he was only a young fellow when he started and he got caught we all know um but if he had accepted the plea he'd be out now um i think his plea was 10 years but he got two life sentences plus 40 i guess you do 40 in a coffin or something inside i don't know how that works you never really understand these sentencing things but that's what he got.
0: They are a little ridiculous. What that usually does, the reason they would normally tack on something like that is to push parole back, but I think his uh, sentence came with no opportunity of parole anyway. So, it's kind of a failsafe of no matter what, you're never getting out of here. Well, And a- a- that was actually, one of the things that... Go a- ahead, Beth.
2: Yeah, actually, in that new one, I did research that a little bit because I'm not up to speed with the American system there, having not been to jail here yet. Um... The If you get done federally and you get a life sentence, there is no parole. You are doing life sentence. That's how it is, period, end of story. The only way you get out after you've done, uh, get a life sentence in the federal system is a pardon, which he thought it was going to get from good old fella Trumpy there, but... Obviously, Trump, he got a bit busy towards the end of his uh, his tenure and, and let that one slip through to the keeper. But, yeah, he's there for the long haul unless he gets a, a presidential pardon. Just sort of throw that in.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that um, we're kind of skipping to the end here, but I will throw that in. That sentence is outrageously large while we're on the topic of sentences because it was a first offence and it was a nonviolent offence. So we can get into the nuances of what he did, but uh, that seemed to be being made an example of. It, it's just way, way overkill as far as the sentencing goes. And I we personally believe that, a lot of people personally believe that, the judge wanted to make an example out of him. And so that other people didn't do this. And yet that didn't stop them. But they did try. So It was,
1: it was an example. Uh, because all the people... Uh, doing similar things after him and getting caught they got much much lower sentences
0: yeah and you know what else ralph the the most disgusting part of it when you think about it we just did the epstein episode a little while ago and galaine maxwell what was her sentence for child trafficking was like 20 years so yeah. We really know that there is a serious fault in that system. And this guy, this this poor kid was an absolute target of what happened here. So we'll start out a little bit on history on Ross. I was looking into that. He had this idea of putting together that free market and he shelved it for a little while. But one of the things that I got a kick out of was he realized he did all of this by himself in order to try to keep this as anonymous as he could. And he needed to keep the marketplace anonymous. He couldn't just walk around and advertise, but he actually needed a product. So he got a small warehouse and started growing his own psychedelic mushrooms until he had a good enough amount of stock to where he could actually sell them on his website and he did good for a little while because he wasn't coming straight out of the gate just announcing it everywhere he had to give it some time but i will say hats off to the guy because he built the entire market by himself before he started taking on employees there
2: or or, or did (laughs) i think it's it's it's
1: just a coincidence but funny enough amazon started from a bookstore as well (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's pretty good um, yes that was uh, Ross's 9 to 5 job was working at a bookstore I believe that's where he was actually shipping from didn't he have the equipment at the bookstore yeah. to be able to ship Yes, all
1: this uh, uh, stuff to, to ship uh, because they were shipping books anyway so it was not uh, very suspicious that there was a lot of shipping going on from this bookstore Smart kid, man. I got to say, and he was in his what mid 20s at this point, yeah. Yeah, I think like 25, 26, something like this.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it that leads into um, was it actually him? This is this is the question. What was it just him? Um, if we look at the you, you know, some of the things that he achieved. Um, with his background in computer science and his experience, what developed in that short period, like maybe the first year, eighteen months, two years, was pretty amazing. Um, along with you know the security and the infrastructure required to do all of that, so uh, I will, I'm not hundred percent hundred percent convinced that um he did it all on his own and that probably also brings up the thing was did he start it and then pass it off like he claimed in his defense and it was taken over by you know a ring or a a group or or an organized crime group maybe um i can just imagine the mob or the russians knocking on your door saying yeah mate time for you to move over um and if you don't You you know we're going to give you a Colombian necktie or something, and so he just ran away. I don't know. There's you know, there's evidence to say that, or that I've seen that says that you know he didn't do this alone.
0: You know, I will say along those lines when he was applying, I believe for a PhD in some type of uh, computer science or engineering program in college, and he didn't get accepted. He uh, failed the test for that, and that kind of ended. Where he was going with that but that shows that he was still very well connected in that community so as he was building this site it could have been a matter of uh doing what like a bounty where he would ask hey can somebody put together this for me and paying them not realizing what they were adding that to not realizing what he was adding it to so it's possible it is possible he wasn't alone in doing this i think Down the road a little bit, we started to see that throughout this uh, site being active, he started to befriend certain people that were there. In the very beginning, he had a, a really big issue with the girl that he was dating at the time. He had told her about it, told her, don't tell anybody. She obviously told her best friend. And then there was a Facebook post that went up from her best friend tagging him in it and saying, I'm sure the government would love to know about your drug website. So that was a real close call right in the beginning. So there was at least one other, two other people that knew about it at that time. So we're not really sure.
2: Yeah. um, Julia, which was his girlfriend, um, she she didn't really know what was going on. He kept her in the dark as well, apparently. And... uh, the little bit she did know, she didn't like, and she was t- trying to indicate to to Ross that you need to get rid of this, and he didn't. So they sort of separated, and then Julia um, bounced f- that off her friend Erica, and they got drunk one night, and one thing led it, to another, and she got shitty and and posted that on Facebook, but he didn't. The, the,
1: the, the story was that uh, uh, not at the beginning, like you told a uh, new one with the mushroom farm. He... uh, there were mainly drugs, or just drugs were sold on Silk Road. But then after a while it started uh, that uh, you had offers for guns there. And his girlfriend did not like this. And they started to argue over this. And the girlfriend then uh, was pissed off and uh, left uh, the flat and went to uh, her girlfriend. And told her the story about uh, Silk Road, and and this was okay because uh, the relationship between uh, the two uh, girls was still good, uh, and between Ross and and the friend of his girlfriend was still good. But then the the friend of his girlfriend uh, bought some bad drugs on Silk Road, and then <laughs> oh. and played then <laughs> Ross. Uh, uh, what he's doing for the, uh, with this shit, and and this got in an argument, and uh, Ross' girlfriend was on the side of Ross, and then uh, um, the friend of of those two uh, posted this on Facebook as a, as a kind of a revenge. As, as a I, revenge, so like
0: yeah. So she got burned on the deal, and she went got pissed at him, yes. and went after him for it yeah Damn.
2: that was his story yes yeah and she was drunk when she did it so you know
0: yes uh, yeah <laughs> now you know for our listeners let's say uh also we've covered a couple of things here when you have these dark markets like this which still exist a lot of them are drug trade which is legal versus illegal in certain parts of the world so you're not always crossing local lines with this kind of stuff then you started having things like weapons come in and Just so that because I'm saying this because I am a very big believer in these free markets, but you do have to start to question them at some point in time. At one point, uh, Ross had started hiring some people as moderators, and one of his moderators sent him a message and said, do we sell human organs here? And apparently there was a seller that was requesting to sell a kidney or kidneys and claiming that these were medically harvested and they were straight up on the level but they were just black market now whether we know that or not what what if that was true what if the guy actually did have access to human organs and we're selling it to people who needed it who might not be able to have the money to purchase it or as in the united states has to go on an excessively long wait list and might not live to the end of that wait list now is that the right or wrong thing to do, it becomes a more of a moral issue than a legal one at this point. But I wanted our listeners to know that these markets can get a little out of control.
2: And and just further to that, what about if the seller's got a uh, an order for a kidney type that he doesn't have? He goes on the hunt, mate. So, you know, there people can be uh, snuffed out for stealing and steal their kidneys. So Yeah. And that's happened Yeah, and that's then, happened uh,
1: you can, about pedophiles. Yeah. Uh, which, and that's which, always the worst part yes. of it. And, and there are lines uh, even the free market should not cross, in yeah. my opinion.
2: <clears throat> well, Absolutely. It, it, it appears that he didn't say no to anything except yes. for guns. He drew the line at guns, but not 100% because he set up another website for that so he just pushed them away from silk road to separate them out um
1: he he said in an interview that uh, in his opinion uh, um, as americans have the right to have guns that's not a problem to sell them there
2: yeah well
0: and he's not uh, and you know he's not doing anything that some of these international black market gun runners aren't doing he's just doing it you know online and making it a little bit easier that was one of the biggest arguments and that came from i think one of the judges in the cdc was saying that he actually made it safer for people to purchase narcotics online because now instead of having having to go into seedy areas and dealing with shady characters and risking your life to just you know have you know say some marijuana that night with some friends at your house now you're actually able to have it dropped at the front door and so that kind of eliminates the risk out of that at the time that this was going on in the United States marijuana was still illegal across the board so yeah that's another issue is at that point are you helping or are you enabling you know and it's it's really something to say i mean you don't you don't know you really don't know i mean people are going to do drugs why are we going to you know in my opinion why make it harder for them if they're, they're risking their own safety doing this and you know bringing a lot more danger upon themselves and others when it can just be amazon drop next day at your house on the other hand it makes it too easy and you start to run into the fact that you're enabling people to get this stuff very simply and you could be um moving them into more of addictive style behavior you know
2: yeah i mean it's it's a rabbit hole we probably shouldn't go down on here i mean there's so many um ramifications of whichever direction you take that it's it's almost um almost unworkable I, I i don't i do not um pity the guys that are in the hot seat trying to make the regulation for this one way or the other um tough job but uh,
1: in in 2015 there is, uh, the government the u.s government uh, still blamed the, the dark web for the opioid crisis in in the country yeah. Which now we know it's not caused by the dark web, but Let it was—it t- was a good uh, uh, cape, uh, scapegoat for for it.
0: Yeah. Let me tell you, Ralph. While we're on that subject, just to hit this up for our non-U.S. listeners, we had an issue back then where we had places that they used—they nicknamed them pill mills—where you could walk in and without any medical diagnosis, say, "I have pain in my stomach." and ask for a specific prescription and they would just issue you that prescription without a full medical background. There were some of them that required say an x-ray or something from a primary care doctor. I mean, very easy little documents to get and some didn't require any. And that was what really launched our opioid problem here. And they were, yeah, you're right. They were blaming the dark web for this stuff, yet it was a hell of a lot harder to get this stuff on the dark web at that time than it was to just go down to the local pill mill and stand in line.
2: Yeah. Um, I I just, we should just roll back a bit and try to get back on track here, I think, in, in regards to the direction of how this all unfolded. Um, you mentioned he, he grew his mushies and he was selling them and then he actually sold out all of his mushrooms and then he's like, well, now what do I do? And that's when he started to open it up, etc., etc. But I believe the big break came when there was an article by Gorka. Um, <clears throat> I'm not familiar with Gorka. Have either of you guys used or been to that? Um- oh,
1: th- there we can do an episode about it as well. Um, Quarka, uh I can tell, th- th- this is not directly connected to Silk Road, but th- the story about Quaker. Quaker went bankrupt because uh, Hulk Hogan, the wrestler, sued uh, them. But the story was Quaker in the past uh, published that Peter Thiel, this uh, uh, investor. Yep. Billionaire investor is gay. And <laughs> Peter Thiel, from this moment on, hated Quarker. And then Quarker published on their webpage a sex tape, I think, of Hulk Hogan. And Peter Thiel used uh, Hulk Hogan and this whole story as a leverage and supported this court, uh, court case uh, on the side of Hulk Hogan. And at the end, the Fee Walker had to pay to Hulk Hogan was so high that they went bankrupt.
2: Yeah, but they were just a rag, yeah, just a, a newspaper or a. Yeah,
1: it was an online publication. I think specialized on Silicon Valley stuff or something. Yeah, or, or this was their core uh, subjects. Yeah,
2: I was yeah. never familiar with it, but you know, it's a, it's the. Um there's two sides to that coin. It started to make his orders go up um, and he sold all his mushrooms and then, you know, everyone else in, in that was seeing that Gorka Rad, they were now posting as sellers on there and it just started to grow very, very rapidly. But the other side of that coin is then the FBI and DEA and everyone else pricks up their ears as well and they start looking at it. So he was a victim of his own from his own success early on, I believe. Um, but then as he was going forward and, and um, it was getting busier and busier, he had to get some employees. And then he was befriending um, people on.
1: Uh, one, one more thing An- another uh, um, free advertisement for him was four days after the Quaker uh, uh, article, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer. Um, uh, went to Congress and uh, did the public hearing about uh, this article, and demonstrated live uh, um, how the website, how Silk Road works, and how easy, uh, accessible it is. So it gave this whole thing even more credit that there's a, a, a member of Congress sitting there in TV and telling the people how cool this web page is. <laughs> it's free
2: advertising. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in Congress, no less. So, yeah, he had lots of free advertising, took off, got had to get some employees. He's taking money in Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin's price is going up. You know, it's it's the start of Bitcoin, and it's it's going um, parabolic. Um,
1: 50 cents to $29 after the Quaker article.
2: Yeah, it just... Insane. That's an insane um, bump. eh? If you're holding a bunch, um, that's an insane bump on your investment. Um,
0: Not only that, but they were estimating that his website was uh, responsible for 20% of all the Bitcoin transactions
2: at the time. Yeah. Uh, It's definitely helped um, Bitcoin and, and I'll call it crypto, even though Bitcoin's not crypto, but I'll call it crypto. Um, it definitely, in my opinion, helped the crypto market move along. But this is where it gets juicy. So he's he's had all the free advertising. He's run out of mushrooms. He's now gotten sellers on the on the platform. It's it's going exponential. So he needs help. Starts uh, making friends on there, and he's starting to recruit other users. And then along comes uh, Variety Jones, aka Simon. Um, and that was probably like his lieutenant slash mentor slash, uh, I don't know, um, operations manager maybe, I don't know. But it was the relationship between Variety Jones and um, Ross that took Silk Road to the next level. Um, did you want to mention anything about about Variety? Um, yeah,
1: Variety Jones was... Uh, <laughs> He knew how the drug business worked, he was a uh, part-time seller, he was in prison before. Um, he had a lot of background and expertise in the subject which, um, of course, Ross did not have. So without uh, this guy, it probably would not have escalated as as it did Uh, because uh, this uh, Variety Jones came in the year before he got arrested into the life of of Ross.
2: Yeah, I think Ross would have probably um, imploded and got caught if in fact he was the only one in it uh, way earlier if Variety didn't get involved. He seemed to be the one that um, brought the security issues to him and helped him solve that. Um, and and also and the,
1: the variety Jones is a Canadian.
2: They and never looking
1: ha- now. Uh, there's Canada is a land of of outlaws. I've got the feeling.
2: Yeah, uh, did they never caught caught variety. I didn't think. Yes,
1: they caught him. They did. Yeah, they yeah, did. He was in in Thailand. I think they caught him, and then uh, he got delivered to the US. But uh, his court case is still uh, going on.
2: When did they catch him? I, I didn't follow 2018. It was 18, okay. So they got him in the end, yeah. But he was then, you know, so these two were in cahoots. Um, they were the two, in my opinion, they were the two key dudes in this, yeah? And then they had a few underlings. And then one of the things that... Variety Jones brought up is that to Ross is that you need to start um, positioning yourself that it's not actually you in control because what you're doing if you get caught the worst that can happen to you is punishable is get a is a sentence punishable by death and so they came up with well uh, <coughs> Variety Jones came up apparently with the. Dread pirate Roberts name which is from the movie uh, the princess bride and what that is is what the pirates used They just gave that name and then they passed it on down So it's like passing the baton on to the next person to take charge or make the decisions um, and the idea was that uh, He would take on that name and then, if he ever got caught, say, "Well, that wasn't me. I passed that down, or I sold it, or I did whatever." But that dread pirate Roberts just represents the person who's running it at the time. It's not actually me. So that that was a lot of the stuff I think that that we could possibly quickly talk about that Variety Jones did. So here we are. We've got um, <clears throat> we've got this business humming along. Um, I believe they did like was it just over a billion dollars. Um. In, in yeah it was
0: like a billion two or something like that it was so outrageously high something 1.2 billion in total
2: yeah um, you know they so
1: had uh, no uh, oh. they had over 1.2 unique transactions uh, and uh, nearly 10 million bitcoins generated in sales during its existence
2: that's that's, the, that's insane insane oh. no <laughs> it's it was only a couple of years, so pretty much you've got Variety and Ross running this show. And I think Variety, to be honest, um, I I think Variety was the 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 main dude that was coming up and sort of structuring everything so that would work. I'm still not convinced that there. And I'll talk about this a bit later, but I'm still not convinced that. Um, Ross and or Variety was there by themselves. I think they had partners, um, probably organised crime. They don't miss out on this type of stuff, um, particularly if you're, if you're knocking on their patch, you know, taking away their customers. So you can't help but think that there was something going on there. But apart from those two, then you have the, the dudes that are underneath them, which are just looking after customer complaints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think this is where it started to come um, undone with a bloke called Curtis Green. Is that what you you see, Ralph? Um,
1: yeah, it's it's this guy and the other employee of him. He had ten employers, um, uh, uh, and and uh, this girl called Cyrus. Yeah, those two are the <coughs> one which. Uh, which uh, caused the Silk Road in the end to fall.
2: Yeah. And and what we... Excuse me, I just got to clear my throat here.
0: <coughs> and so, that woman, Cyrus, actually, she that brings up a good point where no matter how much you're trying to be anonymous, what wound up happening with her, I believe she was from Texas, but when she got in trouble, she actually had she sold off all her stuff for uh to get out of jail free card kind of deal she made a deal and one of the agents that was part of the task force actually took over her account so people who had been dealing with her in the past still thought it was her at that time
2: yeah
1: so uh, and uh, the, the story about curtis to to start with this was uh, that there was a, uh, another agent who um, pretended to uh, be a seller on Silk Road and he got in contact with Ross directly because he wanted a bigger amount of cocaine, like two kilos, I think. And Ross um, organized a connection to one of uh, uh, the guys working for him uh, called uh, Chronic Pain, I think. That's good. yeah And this was the guy, uh, Curtis, and uh, Curtis said, "Yeah, I can organize you two kilos." And Curtis uh, <laughs> ordered the two kilos on Silk Road, or organized the two kilos on Silk Road to then ship it to this guy. So all mm-hmm. the FBI had to do was wait in front of the flat uh, of Curtis till the delivery comes then bust him with uh, cocaine in his hands. It's two kilos. This guy goes to prison, so he will uh, uh, talk.
2: Yeah, and so that person was Carl Force. He was a DEA, um, Drug Enforcement Administration guy, and he was on there under the name of NOB, N-O-B, and he was the one that was um, involved in all that. There's there's pretty much... I mean, it's a fairly long and twisted story, so I'll just try and uh, give an outline, a basic um Yeah, overview. there's so
1: much involved. This guy at the Chicago airport who uh, wondered why there are always ca- letters coming from uh, the Netherlands with one ecstasy pill inside. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he was an agent. He's checking uh, at the customs, and uh, <laughs> this guy collected over one month, like uh, three blue bags full of uh, uh, um, single pills shipped from the Netherlands to the US. And he was wondering what is going on here. But his uh, his uh, boss said, like, oh, don't worry, those are not enough to, to make cases, just throw them away.
2: Yeah. So with... Because of all the drugs that were being sold and the government knew about it because as we said it's been in Congress and it was on Gorka yada 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 there's there's agencies and jurisdictions and we all know that you know they love to get their accolades so they don't share their stuff and they seem to do their own thing instead of um, uniting and, and conquering quickly so there's four main dudes really I think there's Gary who was um, good old Gaza he was an IRS agent. And he's probably the one that that, um, really was the person that led them um, to catch them in the first place. Then there was Carl Force. He was the Uh, DEA um, enforcement administration, drug enforcement administration dude that um, was also crooked. And then there was Sean Bridges. Uh, He was a former uh, Secret Service and he was crooked. And then you had Jared Dare... Oh, Yegian or something his name was And he was Homeland Security And he was the dude I believe that was in Chicago That you're talking about And then you had Curtis Green So between those those dudes I mean there's a lot more But they're the main ones that come out um, Between those um, They sort of pieced it all together and busted So With Carl Forth uh, Being Knob um, what, what, what he did was <laughs> when, when that cocaine was ordered through Curtis Green, um, they, they actually got control of the funds and stole the Bitcoin. So then what they did, they arrested Curtis Green and then Ross thinks that Curtis Green has done a runner because the Bitcoin's been siphoned out of the stuff that Curtis was controlling for Silk Road. Curtis is gone but Carl has got cursed because he arrested him and he's taken the Bitcoin, and then he's gone in on the thing under knob, under the thing of knob, and he's got this relationship with um, with Ross, and said, oh, "I think we can take a hit out and, and make this right, and we'll you know I'll do it for X amount." And I th- there was a couple of things he did for him, and I'll just cut that short. But I believe that um, Carl Force received seven hundred and fifty thousand Bitcoin. Dollars, sorry, worth of Bitcoin in total for all the things that he did. And that was all for his personal gain. So what he did was he got Curtis Green, took him to an apartment and faked a murder and took photos as proof that they'd done the hit. And so Ross paid up and paid Carl direct these bitcoin for doing the hit but they're thinking that it was not but it was actually carl force from the dea i mean mate really
0: yeah and not to mention that that was not part of a dea operation that was carl on his own as a rogue agent at that point yeah yeah but he's he's the one who came up with that yeah just to let everybody know that carl force was part of the task force that was supposed to collect information and bring down ross but yet he decided to go off on his own and started collecting bitcoin he actually got into some of the uh he had admin abilities at one point he got into some of the moderators and cleaned out their accounts and he was keeping all this for himself he did that fake murder of curtis Crean. on top of it then he tried to blackmail ross by opening another account and saying, "Hey, I know what you did to Curtis Green, and I'm going to tell everybody if you don't pay this much money." And at that point, Ross told him, "Hey, screw off." So he all order, opened up another account after that. So this guy was way off the reservation at this point. He wasn't <laughs> operating within DEA parameters at all. He was in it for himself.
2: Yeah, he had another account there. It was French made? I think that was one of the guys. Go- yep, uh, French I, made. One of the <laughs> yeah, artists. Yeah, Ross
1: did death from above as well
0: yeah death from above was the one that was threatening ross to uh tell on him about uh curtis green's fake murder that he orchestrated
2: and so it's just getting back anyway long story short um all that goes pear-shaped for carl and he ends up getting caught and they he went to um to court and he got wait for it six years he's he's stolen money he's running his own operations he's faking murders he's selling drugs he's doing all that he's working for the dea and he gets six years and ross he's trying gets, to
1: escape before he had to go to prison and they caught him
0: at the airport yeah, yeah he tried to flee the country
2: <laughs> yeah and he gets six years and and ross has got you know two life sentences plus 40 yeah come on um don't know how that how that goes but how they originally first started um, it was good old uh, IRS dude Gary um, I can't remember his name his last name uh, Gary Alford, that was his name he what he did it was quite simple back in the early days when this Ross-
1: typical uh, tax inspector
2: his work like- yeah this
1: only a tax in, inspector can come uh, from this angle
2: yeah he's just meticulous and he went right back to the start and so good old gary he just goes and use google high tech mate he he found him with google and what it was way back in the day um <clears throat> he found some post by a user named altoid um and toy was a NIM that Ross had been using to mention Silk Road to try and get it going. But what he'd done was he'd used his real email, rossalbrecht at gmail.com to do that. And then he also found a, a, a user named Ross Albrecht on Stack Overflow that posted questions relating to Tor. And initially using his real name, but he then changed that name to frosty and frosty was the account name on ross's computer when they finally caught him in the san francisco library so all that
1: the server was
0: called frosty where silk road was running on
2: in in iceland yeah in
0: iceland and you know as you brought up before beville when you were talking about how some of these agencies don't communicate with each other really well and ralph mentioned that um the guy was an iris he was a tax collector that's all he was so now you had a tax collector who turned around to some of the biggest law enforcement agencies real tough guys in the u.s and said hey i figured this whole thing out last weekend on google and they didn't want to hear it especially they didn't want to get shown up by some guy who was a tax collector when they were supposed to be the big door kickers and the guys who make all the really cool busts so that could have been done with a lot earlier had they listened to him in the original meetings. Yeah. But, but the, the pride and the arrogance was there, so it didn't happen.
1: So but does, they knew this all, but there was they could not prove anything at this moment, still nothing.
2: Yeah. So basically the, the, the two starters were old Jared um, from Homeland Security in Chicago and Gary, the IRS agent feeding the initial information back to the FBI and the DEA. And then the DEA and the FBI, you know, all keeping their things separate. We had Carl Force, um, running side operations. So hindering, um, the whole thing because he's making money hand over fist. And then you had Sean Bridges thrown in there who also was on the take and he's the secret service guy, um, and he was tasked with, you know, uh, investigating Silk Road because he was a computer forensics expert for the Secret Service. Um, and he gets hold of it, understands what's going on. And when they took the, the money from whoever, whether it was Ross and or, oh, God, there's so many dudes involved, um, uh, the DEA guy, he was put. they were putting those coins into wallets and he was just siphoning the collets off of that coins out of that just taking it um and he ended up getting caught as well and i think he got about the same i believe 5 or 6 years um yeah it
0: was like uh st- i
2: one of them got 78
0: months the other got like 72 or something like that yeah
2: so both of them you know it uh, uh, i think that uh carl probably should have got a lot more than what he did and sean was just an opportunist mate he was he was covering stuff up and just he was just outright stealing money and leading the um investigations up a garden path so he could still keep um stealing money um but in the end these guys put it all together and they caught him yeah, in the library which was interesting you got any fingers uh, stories about that one ralph
1: yeah, it, it was uh, a well uh, organized setup. They knew from uh, observing him the places he goes when he leaves the flat to work. They knew when he worked for Silk Road because one agent had this account of this uh, woman called Cyrus. So they could always check <clears throat> when he locks uh, in. Uh, as an admin or as the pirate to to his uh, page so they knew the places from where he connects to connected to uh, silk Road so they set him up they uh, crowded the coffee he normally uh, went to with uh, uh, agents I guess, so he could not work there, so he went to the library like he always does uh, when the coffee was full Uh, and at the library they had already set up agents to uh, distract him while he was working at his laptop because the thing was he had uh, uh, his laptop uh, was encrypted and the moment he uh, closed the screen uh, uh, the thing was locked. So, they knew to get access uh, uh, to him, he has has to be locked in and the laptop has to be open. So, they distract him uh, in the library using a couple, which all of a sudden in this quiet library started uh, a huge argument throwing words like fuck you to each other, which then he turned around and wanted to see what's going on in this moment. They attacked him, they took the laptop from uh, his uh, table and uh, handcuffed him immediately. So, he could not uh, close the lid anymore. Everything uh, was free to access uh, for the FBI. They found all the chat logs. One of his biggest mistakes was he was writing a diary on this laptop. So from this diary, they could uh, 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 reconstruct a lot of what was going on and then attach chat uh, chats to it and and so on.
2: Yeah, so basically he this all took place, this whole thing took place from February 2011 to October 2013. So two and a bit years, he's launched a site, got it done, making sold one point two billion dollars worth of kidneys, hearts, IDs, passports, and drugs. Had every three letter agency on his ass for two years. Gets taken down in the library. Goes to jail, or goes to court, gets found guilty. And sentenced to two life sentences plus forty years in two and a half years. That's just insane. That that is one hell of a ride. Um, I
1: found uh, an interview um, from from the jury because after uh, this whole court case, uh, the the jury uh, deliberated uh, for only three and a half hours, which was after such a This was all new normally. There was never a case in the history of the United States, uh, a court case before like this. (coughs) This this was really a historical first and after three and a half hours they knew exactly what was going on. So, uh, there was an interview after the trial with one of the jurors and he said like, you know, we had the verdict within minutes but we took a lunch break in between that. It does not look like we knew from right from the start. He's guilty.
2: I think, the,
0: you know, Ralph, I think actually a- I, I want to bring that up too, because just for, for the listeners who aren't familiar with it, three and a half hours is breakneck speed for a jury. And he's right about that interview too. That can be found. The thing is, is that if you look at some of the heavier cases, These things take multiple hours, and when I say multiple, I mean days worth of deliberating. Nothing happens that fast. And if you look at the fastest juries that have ever deliberated, it's still pretty close to that amount of time that they said that they already had a verdict. Yet, this was the first time a case like this had ever been tried. And they didn't need any extra information or any time. And that one looked, again, this is just me speculating, but that looked really odd that it happened that quickly.
2: Yeah, that is quick. And and also they, they managed to fit in an NBA game in that three and a half hours. They did the verdict, an <laughs> NBA game and lunch. So there wasn't a whole lot of time um, spent on the verdict, I don't think. No, within minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, We've been going at this for a fair bit here, and we've and we've managed to sort of, I I hope, give you the basic story of how he how he started, what he did, um, and it's there is so much to this story, and we can only do you know gloss over a lot of things, and and then we've explained sort of how it got unstuck. He's now gone. he's he's, he's done. So now, guys, I think we need to try and explore. What are the actual conspiracies in here or the possible conspiracies, Um, you know, analyzing what's actually happened? Because some things there don't sort of add up, I don't think.
0: Yeah, you have a very young kid. I would say the beginning of the conspiracies is able to build this entire marketplace by himself, as you said. I would say that once you start gaining a footprint of a billion transactions of drugs, you start Getting noticed by other drug dealers, who might be saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I have a ton of product, but I have a hell of a time finding purchasers with it." So now it looks like you have a website where, you know, say these guys have marijuana farms out there somewhere. That's great, but what are they going to do? Sell you know ounces to people out of their kitchen, you know, door? They're not going to do that. They need much bigger people to be able to purchase that much and get it shipped there. So now you're starting to talk about major, major players. Then you have government agencies who aren't exactly on the level either. So there's a conspiracy on there. And I think the court one was my biggest one, was how fast they deliberated and the sentence that he got that was so enormous for something that was, uh, you know, first offense and a uh, nonviolent crime. I think that judge and jury had been gotten to way before that trial ever took place. That's my own personal.
2: Yeah. Judge Catherine B. Forrest. I'd love to get an interview with her and say, how how do you come up with those numbers, love? Like where where does that actually come from? Two life sentences and 40 years. Um, But you know, uh, that you know
0: while we're while we're talking about this bevel i wanted to throw something else in actually and this is just partial of the story that we're talking about as far as the conspiracy goes so ralph sent us an article today for our listeners that we were going over and we had discussed this before there is something out there called the Tor network and for the non-tech people it's a way to route your messaging and Mm -hmm. online usage through a couple of different places so it's harder to track you now this thing was very popular and this is what the silk road and the other dark markets use. the thing is it was built and funded by a lot of u.s agencies the uh the department of navy i think naval intelligence started out with it Yeah, was uh, uh, by navy by (laughs) the navy and a lot of the government agencies use it the Article, and Ralph, if you would, please post that article on NOSTA on our social media so people can see it because it was an excellent article. I read through the whole thing. What it was was when you're trying to be anonymous online, and I'm not saying you're doing this for illegal reasons. I'm just saying you're doing it because your privacy is important. But there is a group of people that believe that that system might have a compromised back door in it. So when Silk Road went down, then Silk Road Two, one of the guys who was I believe a moderator for the original Silk Road with Ross opened up the next Silk Road, he got busted within a year. But what was really unusual with that was, it takes it, it took people a long time to track down IP addresses for computers when they were going through ross's stuff and there are a lot of them where they still don't say how they got the ip addresses some of these government agencies won't disclose how they figured it out and then after that there was a really quick once silk road was gone that opened up this entire market of billions of dollars for anyone else to open up a website so there were a ton of markets that came out the thing was in a very short period of time 27 of them were closed down immediately and what it looked like was it looked like the agencies stopped going after The people who were running these markets and started going after the sellers instead, but they were able to get to them and it brought up a lot of suspicion that there was a conspiracy in the Tor network itself where the government has the ability to engineer it to where they can find you. And I thought that was a big part of it. And Mm I also wanted to say thanks again for that article, Ralph, because that was a great article to show how that actually works
2: yeah just a bit more on that tour it's uh, called the onion router that's where you get Tor from um a, a lot of people not a, oh, sorry not a lot there's been a couple of people that have been caught um thinking that they were safe using Tor, but there is there are a couple of different attack vectors but basically for the people that aren't technical and i'm not that technical but i understand the basics and that is you have an entry node an exit node and then you have all the nodes in between um so you send a message Your message is encrypted, it goes to the next node, it peels off a layer of encryption. Um, So then it passes it on to the next node. But the previous node, the very first node doesn't know where it's gone now because the encryption's gone that he had, and then it just keeps on going down the chain. You peel layer off after layer depending how many nodes there are. Then you get to the exit layer or the exit node. Um, they peel the final layer off and decode the message. So that server at that point can read your message. So the Tor network is relying that everyone that's running these Tor nodes is doing the right thing and not snooping, etc. etc. But there's a theory out there that says, and you have to believe this, that the governments various around the world are deploying these Tor nodes everywhere. And the goal is that if you can get a, uh, an entry and an exit node then you can pretty much decipher it within those chains you can pretty much decipher and control in anything so um it's not as safe as what you think and all this stuff's been leaked and there's 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 other things as well that are a bit more technical that um um lead to it being not so safe but this is, you know, one of the things that was a supposed a conspiracy is how did they find all this information and then end up in Iceland to to get the servers? Well, Tor's not infallible. So I, I sort of can't um, say yes or no whether there was a conspiracy there um, that they did. Uh, for sure. Uh, there's
1: something shady going on. You think? Yeah, there's a court case 2017 in the United States where the FBI uh, um, uncovered the child abuser ring. Yep, but because of uh, they used Tor, uh, the FBI uh, um, discovered their real IP addresses. Even even uh, the child abusers used to. So the thing went to the uh, in, got the court case, and the judge uh, asked the FBI, you know, even child abusers have rights. How did you get their IP addresses? And the FBI refused to to tell it, and so the child abusers uh, uh, went free.
2: Yeah, um, there was. I believe there's been a law passed in the U.S., or there was a judgment, I should say, in the U.S. that said um, the FBI and the like don't actually need um, a warrant now to um, pry on your tour traffic or your internet traffic. How's that? Yeah, that uh, is correct. Yeah. That's insane. And,
0: you know, Ralph, uh, a few weeks back, it was a very uh, small article, and I think we touched on it at one point in time, where the FBI found that there was somebody using a very extreme style of hacking software and they were getting into some very sensitive areas in the government and they launched an investigation and they found out it was another branch of the FBI yeah so right away we know that they, they don't play by the same rules they require us to play by
1: mm-hmm. and there was this Swedish hacker who uh, was running I, I think seven eight uh, tw- uh, notes all over the world. And collecting uh, data about the people who uh, use it and, and publish this uh, data uh, online.
2: Yeah, so, and, another, and and another thing I wanna I I think there's a is not quite right, and I think poor old Ross has been used as a bit of the scapegoat. I'm not denying that he didn't start it or was involved. Whether he was involved all the way along, I don't know. Was he was he a plant at the end just to to hang somebody up to protect somebody? But how is it? that after Silk Road goes down and it took you know a couple of years to get it up and running, how does Silk Road 2 start? It's just a carbon copy and on it goes and just kept going and going and going. And then so the government uh, runs an operation called Onimus and they get Silk Road 2, then there was Agora, then there was Alpha Bay um, and then there was... Uh, Hanser I think and that was a Dutch one (laughs) and funnily enough they they got inside that and the Dutch law enforcement um, used that for a period of time to gather information Um, and then there was Dream Market and then there was Wall Street Market, um, Valhalla or Silkitiki I think it's called, Um, that was another one and then Trade Route or Trade Route depending where you're from and that was another one so there was this whole raft of stuff um that was out there when silk road got bunched up which which leads me to think that these guys just proliferated that were in there and just you know it's like cutting the head off a snake and they just kept going as soon as you killed silk road then agora then alpha bay it just kept going and going and going um so uh, you know, absolutely. There has to have been someone else involved, eh?
0: Yeah, or at least people who knew enough how to do it that weren't uh, the face of the face of the website itself.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. It's um, and uh oh, I was just gonna say the just the multiple identities of uh, that dread pirate roberts the name the the narrative and the 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 language that was used um in the posts from that person changed you know how like they can they can take a passage of text and they can they start to build profiles on people and they can tell oh that's he wrote that because that's how he writes and that's how he talks well that that changed and changed several times along the whole way but
0: very well could indicate other people or a group you know instead of a person a group of people were acting as yeah very possible yeah very possible or that's
1: what the family of him said
0: yeah that
1: that, that there were manipulations of his laptop to make him look like he looks now
2: yeah and ross ross did deny everything um and said that he got rid of it and moved out and passed it on the bat and whether he did or he didn't i don't know but there's information um, that came out in court cases so we're not just it's not just conspiracy there's information that came out um, within the court cases that sort of backs a lot of this stuff up um, but was seemed to be ignored to the point that you can give a guy two life sentences in 40 years yeah
0: and as we close out also if any of our listeners are interested in there is a movement by his family called Free Ross, and you can find that online if you look up his story. They're still trying to get him out because he has served already, I think, 10 years of this it's sentence. Just, now this year, it's, it's, I think it's his 10th year. His uh, 10th uh, year now? Yeah so he's he's served quite a bit of time already for like i said first offense nonviolent crime so if anybody's interested in jumping on that just to see if they can help out that is available there Yeah. yeah free roster dog
2: yeah i you know i i just in my what i think i mean we've only just touched briefly on you know a few of the different facets. We didn't really go too deep into the conspiracies on it. Just more about the story with a couple of the conspiracies. But I think from the stories, you can you, you can use your you're all smart people. You can work out that you know what he has and hasn't done, and where he might have had help, and where there was corruption, and and the possibilities for corruption um, poking its head in. Um, so it, it, there's more than meets the eye. It just wasn't this 25 year old kid from straight from uni that started this this thing that went to, you know, a billion dollars in two years. Um,
1: I mean, this Curtis guy who uh, is now free again said that uh, he knows so much more than uh, what is uh, uh, public knowledge about this case, but he cannot say it yet. Okay. So I guess he he waits till uh, you cannot prosecute him anymore and then he comes out.
2: Yeah. And, you know... Um, hindsight's twenty twenty two, too, you know, the poor bugger, he'd be out now, he'd be done. But yeah, uh, if
1: he would have uh, taken the plea, uh...
2: Oh, I mean, that that just, oh, my heart goes out to the bloke, I, 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 you know, and like what I said before about you can't get a, you can't get out unless you get a pardon, so I don't all this stuff that they're trying to do to free Ross, how, how does that work? Do you, do you know a new one, Can
0: No, no, I don't know enough about really? the legal system to know how that would go. Isn't it uh, if the president
1: says uh, he's free, he's free?
2: Yeah, there's a I, pardon. I know
1: that, that is possible, yes. Yeah, but... It's the only way.
2: Yeah. So um, I guess you have to wait till the turn of the presidency, maybe, because that's when they do but it.
1: Hasn't, uh, didn't even uh, Charlie Manson had the, the chance to uh, uh, ask for pardon?
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah, he did. <laughs> this
1: is a fucking joke,
2: no? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess you could. I guess you could say that, Ralph. Um, but you, new one, you being the only uh, American here, U.S. Uh, presidential pardons—is that only happen at the end because they don't want to upset the apple cart, or can they do that any time you know their usually, presidency?
0: Usually, you will see stuff like that. Our and I'm not saying every president, but yeah, they like to do that right at the tail end, just so that it's kind of like a, a final fu on the way out the door yeah, saying you know i was going to do this the whole time but the public would have screamed bloody murder so i'm just yeah. going to do it right now we even have that same tactic where you'll see a ton of our bills get passed into laws on days like a couple of days before christmas when no one's in congress to actually vote on the stuff that's you know?
1: Look at the gary webb story How much of those uh, governmental uh, drug traffickers got uh, pardoned by George Bush Senior right before he left? Right on the way out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably think about wrapping up, fellas. I don't have too much more to say. I mean, obviously, we could go on for hours, but um, we only try and do an hour-long show just to give some basic information. Yeah. Give something for people to think about. So I don't have anything else new. One, Ralph, do you guys have anything else? Or you happy to say? I'm good. Want to say
0: thanks for everybody for coming in.
2: Yep, and um, I'd like everyone that joined along. It was our 21st show tonight. We all know that number's importance. So 21 weeks we've been flopping around doing this. Uh, Let's hope we can grab another 21 more, and uh, we hopefully will see you uh, next week, same time, same place. Cheers, everybody. Bye.